0: So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter ten. We're going to be looking at a passage, and you know, Ben, I don't know that did, when, when you put that passage up there in Philippians, you and I didn't talk about that, did we? You just came up, okay. Well, it's wonderful. It's, it's amazing how because we're actually going to look at that text just for a little bit because that sermon was preached, and on October seventh here, Caleb preached that sermon, that text, and. I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain here in a little bit of how I kind of approach my Bible studies, my sermon prep kind of thing, and and, and how my attention was drawn back to that passage as we get there. But I want us to read in Mark chapter 10, we're going to read verses 35 through 45. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, "'What do you want me to do for you?' And they said to him, "'Grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory.' But Jesus said to them, "'You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized?' They said to him, "'We are able.' And Jesus said to them, "'The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized.'" But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John, and calling them together to himself, Jesus said, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Father, as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak clearly to each one of us, that you would speak through me, that even in spite of what might be said here, that we would walk away from here changed because of your word not because of a speaker. Help us, Father. We pray your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, would convict where necessary, would comfort where necessary, would just call us to obedience where necessary. Help us to see your truth in this passage so that we may apply it rightly into our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Just to give you a little sneak peek of what I do when I prepare for a message, there's this thing that for the last 20-plus years that I learned right before I went overseas the first time with the International Mission Board— um, basically nowadays they call it the sword method. Some of you have heard of it. You have gone through it with whether it's people that I have walked through it with or some other people have that have gone through it with me have shared it with you or you've just heard, read about it somewhere. But the sword method is basically something where you ask six questions as you read a passage. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about man? Those are the first two questions that you ask. The next four questions are from the... Uh, It's basically spec, S-P-E-C, spec. The way I remember it is like spectacle, your glasses, you know, how you see something or inspect, how you really dive in and really break, you know, really just zeroing in on something. And so spec is, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to keep? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? And when I sit down and read a text for the first time, I usually have a little half sheet of paper. And if you go in my office right now, you're going to see a stack about that deep of half sheets of paper where I've just got them over there. And I'll pull one off and I'll set it beside me. As I'm reading the text, I'm answering these questions. And I'm looking for themes. I'm looking for commonality, I'm looking for how all some of these, these questions might tie a text together. And I'm, but I also do this. So that when I'm as I'm breaking that text down, it is reminding me of something that I've read before or a sermon I've heard before or something like that. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was breaking this down, it took me back to the sermon that Caleb preached on October 7th. I actually went back and looked because I forgot what the date was, but on October the 7th, Caleb preached the text Philippians 2 1. And and I don't know exactly where it stopped, but those first five verses is what I want to look at. And so, keep your hand here. Go back and let's look at Philippians real quick, so that we can get an idea of why this passage—why this passage—was brought to my attention. I believe by the Spirit of God. And the verses, the first five verses, read this way. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, in any affection or compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, as I look at that passage and I start looking for these things that kind of come off the page at me, this is what I see in these passages. In verse 2, it says, same mind, same love. United in spirit, one purpose. And we have to ask ourselves, does that mean who gets to decide what that purpose is? Who gets to decide what that thought is? Who gets to decide what we're united on and all that? Well, of course, we need, we need to step back and realize it's talking about Jesus Christ. We need to align our will up with Jesus Christ because there's no way that we are going to be able to sit down and work through any problem and figure out where everybody's going to be on the same page and everybody's going to be on agreement. There's going to come times down the road where we're going to disagree on something. And that's okay. We can disagree on something. But what we need to do is to look at the passage. Look at this thing and see what is it saying here when it says one mind united in one purpose and the same love. What is it talking about? What, at what point do we decide who gets to decide that? Nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. In other words, your what you want to do is not as important. Selfishness. If it's selfish, if it's all about you, if it's about... I sit down with churches all the time and talk about the struggles that they might be having in their churches. And many times the struggles come from people wanting their personal preferences. Whether it is, there might be the worship wars in some churches. Well, I like my hymns and I'm not going to sing anything else. I don't know of anything biblical about that. That's t- that stand, right? I, I don't know that Jesus came out and said, You got to sing those psalms. You got to sing all of those psalms. You can't sing anything else. All right? So, someone who's going to stand up and be disgruntled and grumble and complain about worship music and stuff like that, based on, And it's, it's true on the other side. It, today, if, if young people say, Oh, we can only sing worship, praise music, contemporary praise music, that's not found in the scriptures either. We need to line our will up with the will of the Father. All right. It could be everything from the carpet. It could be everything from traditions in the holidays. It could be anything, but we cannot come to the table with our own selfish thoughts, our own ideas, our own traditions, our own mind, our own goals, our own things in place. We have to line ourselves up with that of Jesus Christ. It says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. And what I like about this verse is it doesn't totally say disregard anything that you like or want. It doesn't say don't look out for your own interest, only look out for the interests of others. It says look, also look out for the interests of others. There is a way that everybody can kind of come together and as we think through what is it that the Father wants us to do, there is a way for us to come together and be united in one mind, his mind, in one purpose, his purpose, in one love, his love. There is a way to do that. We have to decide to set our own selfish desires aside and line ourselves up with what he wants us to do. And so here we see in this text, and in verse 5 it says, Have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus. And so here it points us to the fact that we are to have this attitude that is also in Christ. Christ Jesus, All of these things, lining our wills up, lining our purpose up, lining our, our love up, lining our mind up, all of that with the mind, the love, the will, the purpose of Christ. Okay? So with that in mind, let's go back to Mark, that text. Mark chapter 10. It starts off here where a couple of guys, a couple of the disciples are coming to Jesus, and they're saying... We would like to sit on either side of you. We would like to sit in a place of honor. We'd like to sit in a place of glory beside you in in, in glory. Now, if you look at the Matthew passage on here, it says that their mother came to Jesus. And it could be that the mother was there. And it really doesn't matter who she is or who they are or anything like that. The fact that they would come up to Jesus working with 10 other guys with Jesus and desire to have a place of honor beside Jesus when whatever's going to come, they're seeking themselves more than they're seeking the mind of Christ. They're not, they're not looking out for what is best in the way God sees things or the way Jesus, his purpose here on this earth. They're not looking for that. They're looking for a position for themselves down the road. They are desiring something for themselves. And, 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 and this caused some serious problems. We'll see that in a second because Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking. And he tells them that, you, you know, are you able to take, take on what I'm about to endure? Are you able to endure what I'm about to endure is basically what he said. Can you take on what's about to come on me? And Jesus told them after they said, we're able, Jesus said, you know, these things are going to happen, but it's not for me to decide who sits to the right or to the left. It's not for me to decide that. And then in verse 41, it says, that the disciples became indignant with the two guys that asked the request. They became indignant. They probably began to grumble. They were holding grudges, I'm sure. There was all sorts of things that were going on there. We don't know because all it says is they became indignant. That word is only used like eight times in the New Testament, the word indignant. And many times it is used as the Pharisees became indignant with Jesus Christ when he was healing on the Sabbath or when he did something. It was like the Pharisees became indignant with Jesus. So we can kind of get an idea that word doesn't mean, oh, they held a little bit of a grudge. Because they said, you know, we, we know that the Pharisees were out to get Jesus. Now, I'm not saying these disciples were out to get these disciples. I'm not saying that at all. Well, what I am saying is this word indignant doesn't mean that they just had a little bit of a spat. They, were, they, they had a serious problem with each other. And I want you to get the context of when this problem happened, because this is something that I think all of us at some time in our life, we can kind of get a small idea as to what's going on here. Uh, just imagine, just imagine and it, and it could be anything. We just finished Christmas, right? I, I've heard this story many times. We just finished Christmas, and parents were really trying to balance budgets and really trying to get things together. And, 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 and I heard this story once where a kid came up to his father. He went back, and he Googled how much his, son, his brother's present cost, and he Googled it how much his present cost. He went up to his father and said, hey, his present was $4 more than mine. You know, that, that, that would just like, I, I, for parents, that would just irritate you. Wait a minute. We worked hard. In your head, you're going, we worked hard. We, we researched. We tried to find something that you would like, you know, and, and all this. And you're going to complain because yours is $4 less than your brother's. You got something, and it's $4 less and all that. Okay, that's, that's a problem. But let's pile this on top of the situation here. You just found out. You're the father, and you just found out that your wife, about a month earlier, was diagnosed with incurable disease. And that right before Christmas, your company just came to you and said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to keep you on in 2019. And you went into Christmas, and you wanted to provide for your kids and all that, and they came up and said, Dad, his present was $4 more than mine. Wouldn't that kind of add a little bit more anxiety, a little bit more tension, a little bit more angst to that situation when all these things are going on in your life? Just imagine... If that was going on, and put yourself in the place of Christ where something this more, more powerful than this was going on, because if you look at the next chapter, in chapter 11, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem. Jesus is about to enter the Passion Week. Jesus, as he is moving towards Jerusalem, he is, he is aware, He has told He has told the guys, "I'm going into Jerusalem, I'm going to die. He's told them that a couple of times, multiple times as, as they have gone on their journey. We need to, we're going to get to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. We're going to get to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. Matter of fact, Peter stood up at one point and says, you know, no, you're not. We're going, we'll defend. Get behind me, Satan. Because he knew that was where he was going. He knew what needed to happen. He knew what the goal was, what the purpose was. He was in one mind with the Father, and he was going to do what was necessary to be done. The anxiety had to be incredible. But here's how Jesus handled it. He looked at them and he just kind of said, Hey guys, I need y'all to come come together here. In the world out there, when people are in places of authority, they tend to rule over folks. They tend to govern them in authority. They hold the authority over people. But that's not the way it's going to be in the kingdom of God. That's That's not the way it is with us. That's not going to happen with us. That's not the way we're going to deal with this thing. He didn't blow them up. He didn't put a mushroom cloud over them. He didn't kind of really confront them. He sat down with them and he just kind of compared the two kingdoms, the one they were talking about. And they were assuming all this time, they were assuming that Jesus was going to ride in Jerusalem on a white horse and kind of destroy the Roman Empire and set Israel free and everything was going to be great. Everybody thought this and that's probably what these two disciples were saying when they said, "Hey, when you when all of this stuff happens, can we sit on your right and on your left?" That's probably what they were thinking at the time that when you get up, when you get to sit on your throne, can we be beside you in places of authority? Can we do that? And Jesus just brought them together and said, "The way the world does it is not the way we're going to do it. We're going to be different from the world." We're going to do things, we're going to, it says here, it talks about being a slave and being a servant. And in verse 45, and this is the verse I want us to really, this is the verse I want you to take home and pray about. This is the verse I want you to kind of see if you can't just get this nugget of truth in you, just to claim it and walk out of here and say in 2019, this is what we want to be about. When Jesus said that even, even I did not come to be served. But I came to serve. I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. Many times when we talk in church sermons or lessons in the church about serving, we're usually talking about serving in a music ministry or children's ministry or you know, a deacon's ministry or whatever it is within the church. There's, there, there's, there's ministries that go on and churches are always trying to recruit people to work in different ministries and, 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 and all that, but that's not what this is about and that's not what I'm talking about right here. Oh, I love it. I love it when people are serving the church. Don't get me wrong. I love to see when people are up here leading in worship. I love to see people back there working with our children I love to see people serving in all of these, in all these various ways. But what I want us to think about here is in our, in, in, in our church is how can, we, how can we serve our community through Redeemer? And let's just take it down even a little further because this is something that we've been talking about in our community group leaders meetings for the last two or three months. Is how can we as a community group serve a need in our community? How can we do that? And the reason I want to do the reason, reason we talk about these things, and the reason I think is important for us to talk about things and to plan on these things, to be intentional about these things, is this is, this is part of what propels us to be more missional. You've heard me talk before about the difference between being mission-minded and missional. Mission-minded, if we talk about the three areas of praying and giving and going, mission-mindedness is when we pray when we're prompted by an outside source. Someone's praying, hey, let's get together and pray. Okay, let's pray. Or give, let's give. You prompted by an outside source. It's not something intentional that you plan on doing, that you look forward to doing. You give to the church. Is that something that you feel compelled to do, or do you do it with joy? All right, is it something that you have to be reminded to do when you give to an offering or something like that? Is it something that, you know, that's the difference between mission-minded and missional? Going, do you have to wait until it's planned before you do anything for Christ, before you go and do anything? Or is it a part of your DNA? Missional is that you pray without ceasing, you give sacrificially, you go daily. That's the difference between mission-minded where it's planned or prompted or anything like that. Mission-all is that we pray without ceasing, and you can prompt yourself. It doesn't mean you can't be prompted. It doesn't mean, you know, well, that, that you know, boy, I'm, I'm, I must be mission minded because I put that thing on my refrigerator. It reminds me to pray for these days. No, you put that up there to remind yourself. That's, that's missional. You are doing that. It's not an outside source encouraging you to do something and then you're doing it because, well, I've been asked to do it. Does that make sense? The difference there? And so we want to be more intentional here at Redeemer and ministering to the community around us. And what we have done is challenge our community group leaders to start talking just with their their co-laborers in that community group, but also this year to begin talking with the community groups themselves about dreaming what is it that we can do as a community group to serve our community. And it doesn't have to be something really huge or start a ministry or anything like that. It doesn't have to be anything big like that. I mean, there's some of the examples I shared with the guys is that, you know, a community group could decide, you know, one of these ministries that we've got on this back table back here, or a missionary we might support, and you might know of a project. How about the community group get together and put together some stuff to have a yard sale and send that money to that ministry? That's, that's a project that you can do in serving a ministry someplace, okay? That's, that's a real simple thing to do. Uh, I've I've shared about how when we were in South Carolina, when Shannon and I were doing a missions conference in Spartanburg, South Carolina, many years ago, that on a Saturday morning there, they did it through their small groups, but it was the whole church who did it, where they worked with a local food bank, and they went out to every grocery store in town that they had had a conversation with and got the permission to do this. They had a sheet of paper with the needs of the food bank. You know, we need canned corn, canned beans. We need this, you know, all this kind of, you know, we need, we need diapers. We need, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And so they had all of this stuff on the list. And, and all the small groups were at different community, I mean, different grocery stores all over the place. And as people went into the store, they would just approach them and say, hey, we're here with so-and-so food bank. And we're trying to get some food for them. They're running a little low. If you wouldn't mind just taking this list, looking down here, maybe buy one or two things, one or two items on this and bring it out. We'll put it in the back of this truck. And they'll come and take this later on in the day. Now, when I first heard this, I went, man, this is going to go over like a lead balloon. This is going to be ridiculous. But what I found was as people started getting that list, people were not coming out with one or two items. They'd come out with a bag, bag of items, put it in that truck. That truck that I thought was going to take all day to load, we ended up loading like three or four trucks. that took the, And that was just the grocery store we were standing in front of. There were a dozen or more grocery stores all around Spartanburg that these small groups were a part of. That is something that they decided to do to help, a, help, a community, help the community serve the community that way. You, you could do that. I read about a community group in Tennessee who went to a laundry. They decided they would go help uh, deal with a need of poverty in an area there in, in, their neighbor, in one of the neighborhoods in town. And so what they started doing was they would show up on Friday night with a bucket full of quarters. As a community group got together, they would just empty quarters into this bucket. Bring all kinds of quarters and just put them in this bucket, and then they would go to this laundromat, and they would—they got permission from the people who ran the laundromat, and they just paid for laundry on a Friday night for people who came in there. And that thing went from doing it once a month. That thing went from doing it just once a month to doing it every other week. And 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 the people started the the, the people who were in the community group started bringing food. They started bringing activities for ch- children and all that kind of stuff. And before long, they just—and it wasn't that people got saved immediately, but over time, they started seeing people. Be engaged with the gospel. Why are you doing this? It's easy to tell them about Jesus and how Jesus has changed you and desires to see you serve the community and they want to know more about that. There are so many ways that we can, and, and, and I'm giving you these ideas not to say these are the things we need to do. As a matter of fact, I was in a Springfield recently talking with someone and they said that in their group, they, they, they partnered with the local Red Cross and the fire department to install smoke detectors in people's homes and that did not have smoke detectors and all it was was they just you know they just were trained how to do it their small group was trained how to do it and they just you know periodically they'll just get with the red cross person and they'll go to these homes and they'll walk in there and start installing stuff and no they don't get to share the gospel all the time and no they don't but they go in there with an attitude of service and saying is there any way we can pray for you and they pray for them and at times they do get to share the gospel And they do get to see these people coming to church. We don't do it for that. We do it to take Jesus to them. We don't do it just so they can come to church. We want them to be here and all that. But the goal is to take Jesus to them. What we want to do, in all honesty, is we want to move what we are learning from our head to our heart to our hands. We want to begin serving in our communities, wherever that may be. And in your small group, listen, the best ideas come from you guys. You guys coming together and sharing things and praying about things and all that, the best ideas come from you. And so I want to encourage you to start praying. This is one of the goals we want to have. I've told our community group leaders, man, I would really like to see us in the first six months of each community group by this summer having at least one project done. Because what I would really love to see is in our members meetings that we have, instead of getting up here and dealing with business, instead of just dealing with numbers and all that kind of stuff, is to get up here and start sharing what are you doing in your community group to serve our community. Don't you think that would be kind of fun to hear, all the different community groups getting up and start sharing what they're doing and and, and not just how that's impacting the community, but how is that impacting you? Because I promise you, as soon as we start doing these types of things, as soon as we start getting outside of this building and into the community, as soon as we start getting outside of our comfort zones, God will change us. God will transform us. He will do things in us that we will, could not have expected him to do before. Oh, we want him to do those things, but we have not yet fully placed ourselves in his hands many times. And allowed him to mold us in the way that he wants to mold us. And so, yeah, as we go into 2019, begin praying about that. Begin asking the Father for ideas of how you can serve your community. And it doesn't have to stop, stop, just stop with the community groups. You could, in your own family. Can you imagine your own family doing things together in, in some project that you, sh- you take your children and you do some of these kind of activities and you teach them about serving and giving and, 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 and all that as they grow up. It could be in any way those types of things can be done. And listen, we do have people who are serving in this church. Don't hear, don't hear me say, oh, we're not serving in this church. We are. We are serving in this church. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that in our community groups, I would really love to see us use our community groups as just a missional force to engage our community with the love of God. And the gospel of God. In first John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Let us not love with words and with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And in Matthew 5:16, it says that we want to go out there and we 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 really want to serve our community and all that, so that, and in Matthew 5.16, Jesus is teaching, so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. We don't want them to pat us on the back or tell us what a great person we are, what a great what a great thing we're doing or anything like that. Our goal is that we draw their attention to the love of God. That is our goal. I mean, if our goal is to get the glory ourselves, I mean, think about that story we just read in Matthew 10 and put that alongside of what we read earlier in Philippians 2. Do you see why that might have caught my attention when we started seeing about were they, were they of the same mind, were they of the same goal, were they united in spirit? No, they weren't. To the point where they became indignant, troubled. And so as we get ready to go into 2019 let's plan on by the end of this next year having stories where we're able to tell about what God did through us yes but what God did in our community because we were able to go and do things to draw the attention of others to him let's be ready for stories like that and man I would love to have those stories even come during testimony times and sermons I would love to be able to put that video testimonies on our Facebook page so that people can see what's going on. This is not a challenge to guilt you in any way. This is a challenge to encourage us all. Listen, that includes me because I'm not going to lie. You know, I've, 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 I've been a little lazy myself. I've been lazy myself. And I need a swift kick in my tookest to get me off the bench and back out into the game. And so this sermon is, is as much for me as it is for all of us here. And so as we go into 2019, listen, let's, let's, be, let's be of the same mind. Let's be of the same goal. Let's have the same purpose. Let's be united in Christ. Let's don't think too highly of ourselves. Let's also think of others. As we continue to push forward and learning to walk more and more in the ways of Christ and become transformed into the likeness of Christ, let's just continue Continue to encourage each other, to sharpen each other, to move forward together so that Redeemer can be a lighthouse to the community around us. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for how you and days past took a bunch of guys who went to church and they were just playing softball and asked me to start playing with them. And through that encounter, I, became, I came to know you. I am thankful of the many times I have seen people's lives transformed just through acts of service of others who intentionally engaged people around them in one way or another, whatever that might be, Father, I am grateful for the creativity that you give the saints to bring ideas to the table. Help us, Father, as a church, as community groups, as leaders, as members, as children. Help us, Father, to bring these ideas to the table and not just leave them there, But to latch on to those things where we see God, where we see you at work, Father, that we may experience all that you have for us. That we may experience the joy that you have, the hope, the peace, all of those things, the fullness of those things in our lives. Father, thank you for calling us to yourself. Help us be a part of seeing others called to you as well. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in everything that we think and say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.